Corner Fringe Ministries presents a one-part teaching on the Zitzi, the Corner Fringes. Please enjoy the teaching. Well, today we are going to talk, per a request, about fringes. We're going to talk about fringes. In the Hebrew, these are known as Zitzit. You'll notice I have my Zitzit right here. They hang on the corners of the garments. And you'll find that these tzitzit, these are commonly worn amongst religious Jews all over the globe. You'll see them hanging from the corners of their garments, typically their pants down here. Or they actually have a, a talit katan that they wear under the clothes. And you'll see the tzitzit coming out from under there. And uh, you'll also see them in places like this. Messianic, Hebraic roots communities. You will see people wearing Zitzit. Now, the question is, is why do religious Jews, Messianic believers alike, why do they wear them? What are they? What is their significance? Are they simply a decorative item that, to make us look pretty? Are they simply there so that we can feel more pious? That we can show the world our piety? What is the point, what is the significance of the Zitzit? Well, if we go to the book of Numbers, we actually find what these fringes represent. Something very, very special. Take you to Numbers 15, verse 32. Now, while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moshe and Aharon and to all the congregation and they put him under guard because it had not yet been explained what should be done to him. We have a problem here. We have a man who is discovered by others breaking the commandment of God. The fourth commandment. The commandment to keep the Sabbath holy. In fact, the commandment starts out in a very interesting way. Zahor, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We cannot forget to keep the Shabbat holy. This man forgot. He was out gathering sticks, obviously, to kindle a fire on Shabbat, something he should have been doing on Friday, the preparation day. But instead, this man has been found. He was caught defiling the holy Sabbath day, the Shabbat. Now, when they take him into custody, they did so and did not pass judgment on him. Why did they not pass judgment on him? They weren't sure how to handle this situation. What punishment fits the crime? So, they put this man in custody and they do something very wise. They seek the Lord's counsel on the matter. And as you're going to see, the Lord himself is going to pronounce judgment upon this man. And the judgment that we are going to see the Lord render upon this man is the fullest extent of the law. The greatest penalty that the law could do against this man. And understand that defiling Shabbat, defiling what God has made holy, it is not a petty misdemeanor. Look at what happens in the very next verse, verse 35. Then the Lord said to Moshe, the man must surely be put to death. He's given the death penalty. 
All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So as, uh, so as the Lord commanded Moses, all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died. This man was given the death penalty because he forgot. He did not remember Shabbat. He forgot to keep the Sabbath holy. And just think about how this would have unfolded. And this is not a, this is, this is not a sermon on Shabbat, but it can be. Just think about this for a second. All the congregation were gathered together. Could you imagine? And as this particular man literally leading this guy off to the execution, right? And the crowd's gathering going, what's going on? What's going on? I don't know. This, he, 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 he broke the Sabbath. He defiled the Sabbath. He did. Well, what was he doing? Oh, he's picking up sticks. Today, that doesn't sound like a very big deal, does it? And that is sad. That's how far removed we are from God and His Word and His holiness and what it means to Him. Can you imagine the the people just gathered? I just get these thoughts in my mind, uh, picturing the crowds coming together and men saying, he was picking up sticks? Are they really going to stone him for picking up sticks on the Sabbath day? And even maybe a couple guys were actually carrying sticks. Nothing to see here, right? I mean, could you imagine that the conversations that happened, I would love to have been a fly on the wall. Now, in light of what happens here, in light of this man losing his life because of disobedience to God, because he did not distinguish between that which was holy and that which was common, we're going to see the Lord, he is going to do something. He is going to institute something, something very, very special to prevent things like this from happening again so that men will not forget, but they will remember. In verse 37, And the Lord spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations, and to put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners. So in light of this man being killed for disobedience to God, the Lord institutes the wearing of zitzit. And as we read here, the zitzit must have a thread of blue. You'll notice mine have a thread of blue in them. And this blue in Hebrew, the Hebrew word actually used in this passage is techelet. Patil techelet, a thread of blue, a cord of blue. You see the techelet right here. Now this is very meaningful in Scripture, throughout Scripture, because what you find is the tabernacle was actually constructed of techelet. It was found within the curtains, at the very edge of the curtains, looped to hallet. Blue was looped in the curtains of the temple. You would have found it in the veil. The veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place. Yeah, it was made of techelet. The priest was covered in techelet. He was covered in this blue. The, 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 uh, the ephod that he wore was made of techelet. Right? The breastplate that he wore was made of techelet. Gold, blue, techelet, purple, scarlet. He was clothed in techelet. And the robe of the ephod was techelet. All right? Now, you might be asking yourself, why is it that when we see traditional Jews walking by the way, they don't have this thread of blue among their fringes? Basically, their fringes look like this. There's no blue. There's no techelet. 
They're just white. And you'll notice this next time when you see an Orthodox religious Jew walking down, you'll notice that they are just white. Why is there no blue? I'm going to tell you. The primary reason that religious Jews don't wear the blue in the fringes is because they believe that the actual dye that is required to make tachelet is not available. It's not available today. And, it, 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 and, and traditional Judaism actually asserts, it believes that tachelet can only, be, can only come from a sea creature known as the chilazon. Chilazon, okay? Now what is a chilazon? That's a good question. Because there's debates in Judaism about this very thing today. You know, rabbis have taught in the past that chilazon is an actual squid. That emits obviously an ink and that's where we get where we would get tachelet. Other rabbis have argued, no, 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 it's a fish. It's a fish. But the prevailing argument, uh, which you would see that the preponderance of Judaism itself believes, it's actually a type of snail. And that would make sense because chilazon actually means snail. However, because of the uncertainty and the disputes, they just simply don't wear the blue thread. And guess what? They don't get too worked up about it because they actually see these things as two different commandments. They see the commandment to bear zitzit, the fringes, as one commandment. And the commandment to insert a blue cord among them as a separate commandment. And the way they look at it is, we'll wear the fringes. We'll keep Torah, we'll wear the fringes. And when Elijah comes, at the face of the Mashiach, he will reveal Chilazon, its true identity to us, and then we'll wear the cord of blue. So this is why they do not wear the blue on the thread. Now, having said all this, I want to point out something that's very important. Nowhere in Torah will you see that the only way that they can make tachelet is from chilazon. Nowhere will you find that we had to grab something out of the sea at all, or out of the air, or of, of the plants of the earth, or something that's under the earth. All Torah commands is that is to be a thread of blue among our fringes. This would fulfill God's commandment, simply taking the thread of blue, however you want to get that dye, from a plant or what have you. You know, there's further arguments. In, in, you know, it's kind of interesting. I don't want to get too far into the rabbinics of it. But there are arguments today by Orthodox Jews that say, well, wait a second. You know, because like I said, the prevailing argument today, it's a snail. And they're like, Really? Would God actually require us to bathe our zitzit in something that's excreted from something that is unclean? Kind of make you think, right? Kind of make you think. And getting back to our passage in Numbers 15, we're going to see what the zitzit was supposed to do for the children of Israel. Verse 39. And you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it and remember. What is the point of zitzit? Zahar. Remember at all the commandments of the Lord and do them. That's its function. And that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined. And that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your God. The whole point, the whole reason the children of Israel were commanded to bear zitzit, remind them of the commandments of God, 
They were not to fall to the dictates of their own heart. The tzitzit were to actually serve as a memorial of remembrance that pointed to the commandments of God. There was to be a cognitive response. I look at the tzitzit, oh, I'm to keep the commandments of God. It's like tying a string on your finger so that you don't forget. Forget something else. Whatever it was, that string is supposed to remind you of it. In the same way, this is what tzitzit are to do. So, what do the tzitzit represent? The tzitzit represent the commandments of God. We find the imagery of the tzitzit thus is absolutely beautiful. This symbol right here symbolizes God's righteousness. It symbolizes God's holiness, His instruction for our lives. Now, there is one additional command that goes along with tzitzit that we need to be aware of. It's not something that was mentioned in Numbers 15, interestingly enough, but it is mentioned in Deuteronomy 20, 21. And this is, or 22, verse 12, excuse me. You shall make tassels on the four corners. In Hebrew, this is arba kanafot. Arba is four. This is an explicit command. You shall make tassels on the four corners of your clothing with which you cover yourself. So here we're told that you have to put the tzitzit on all four corners of the garment. And it's explicit, four. And why do I keep coming back to this? I'm trying to get this into your mind because this is going to come into play at the end of our sermon. So, thus far, we have learned three main points about tzitzit. Let's go over them. Number one, we are commanded to put them on the four corners of the garments. There's no question about that. Number two, there had to be a thread of blue, a p'til t'chelet, among the fringes, all right? And number three, and most beautifully, they represent the commandments of God. Now this leads us to the heart of the matter, the very reason I'm teaching on tzitzit. You know, on a few occasions, people have come up and asked me, why do you call yourself Corner Fringe Ministries? Or how can you call yourself Corner Fringe Ministries when they peer out into the congregation and they only see some people bearing tzitzit and some do not? And they have a look of confusion as though there was some expectation when they had come here that everyone would be mandated to wear tzitzit. I mean, you guys call yourself Corner Fringe Ministries. You would think you'd kind of live up to the name. And this, this has happened. So let me explain our position and further explain why some wear them and why some don't. And yet, in all of that, we can be perfectly united through faith in Yeshua. All right? Now, for those of you who don't know why we do call ourselves Corner Fringe Ministries, you're going to get a mini lesson right now. I actually took the name from a prophecy in Zechariah 23, which really resonated with me at the time, before we actually began the ministry. This, this um, prophecy was very special. Zechariah 23 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeve. This is kanaf in the Hebrew. The sleeve. Kanaf means corner. So grasp the corner or the kanaf of a Jewish man saying, let us go with you for we have heard that God was with you. 
Now, what do we know about the kanaf? What do we know about the corner of a Jewish man's garment? There were fringes there. They were commanded to bear fringes there. So what are these Gentiles grabbing onto? I can tell you what they're grabbing onto. They're grabbing onto the commandments of God. This is, not, this is a prophecy. It's not meant to be taken literally, where you have Gentiles dragging on the ground, grabbing onto a Jewish man's zitzi, going down the road. The Gentiles, this is a prophecy that the Gentiles who are coming into faith in Yeshua would grab on to the commandments of God, the very thing that they represent. Holiness, righteousness, forsaking the life of wickedness, and turning to God with all their heart, doing what pleases Him. That's what the commandments are about. So this is the reason we call ourselves Corner Fringe Ministries. We identify with this prophecy where we see both Jew and Gentile literally becoming one new man and the Messiah Yeshua walking together. And the prophecy is clear. These Gentiles that are being grafted into Israel will grab on to the commandments of God. They will not walk away from them. Which leads us in our quest in understanding Zitzit to ask the following question. Can one actually be Torah observant if one doesn't bear zitzit on the four corners of their garments? I mean, this is what it really boils down to. Let me ask this question in a different way. Can one bear zitzit without physically wearing zitzit? These are the things that need to be asked. These are the questions that need answers in today's environment where you have this influx of believers, they're coming into the messianic movement, and within the movement we see, guess what? Not everyone is physically wearing the fringes. Some do, and some don't. And some people, when they come in to these communities, they've just discovered their Hebraic roots through faith in Yeshua. It can be a little confusing to them, right? So lest there be any confusion, lest there be any dissension or division in our midst, I want to deal with this issue head on and bring some clarity to the table. First thing I want to mention here is that zitzit is a representative commandment. Do you understand? Meaning it is not the commandments themselves. It is a symbol. It is imagery that is supposed to have a cognitive response so that we would run to the commandments of God. That we would actually keep the commandments of God. It's interesting, in Judaism today, there's a phrase that goes along with these zitzit. And it's known as the, the um, forget-me-not-nots. The forget-me-not-nots. And I think that's, that's just, it's a, it's a clever phrase. But zitzit, think of it this way, and it's on the screen, they are an arrow. It's a sign pointing you to something. It points you to the righteousness of God to His holiness, to His commandments, His instruction. Now, unfortunately, one of the misconceptions that takes place for some people, hear me, don't put words in my mouth, listen to me carefully, one of the misconceptions that take place for some people, not all, who are discovering their Hebraic roots is that they start, they, they start bearing zitzit. They wear the zitzit with now with the impression that, oh, you know what, now I'm Torah observant. Look at me. I bear zitzit. I am pro-Torah, right? They're on the four corners of my garment. I've achieved Torah. And this is where things get dangerous. Because now they look at others who don't wear zitzit who, and as though they, they are not pro-Torah. 
that they don't keep Torah. They don't have a regard for Torah because they're not wearing tzitzit. And unfortunately, this mentality, it's crept into the movement. It's tried to creep its ugly head into this community. And it's this type of understanding, which is no understanding at all, by the way, that causes division. Satan gets in there and he causes confusion. There's something very important that you need to remember about tzitzit. Something which I believe is going to give you a broader understanding of how all this works. When God instituted tzitzit for the sole purpose to remind Zachar that they would remember to keep his commandments, was it his ultimate solution to get Israel to remember his commandments? Was the institution of fringes the final answer in dealing with Israel's lack of remembering? The answer is no. Just think about this for a second. After God instituted the commandments to where is Yitzit, Numbers 15, what happened? How did this work out for Israel? Read the next chapter. And what do you discover? Israel forgot. Yeah, the entire nation bearing Zitzit, and in the very next chapter, we have the Korah incident. And then out of the Korah incident was all sorts of kvetching going on and complaining. And what happened? Almost 15,000 people lost their lives. Read the rest of the book. Read the rest of the Tanakh. Time after time, tragically, Israel forgot their God. A nation bearing Zitzit, forgetting their God. Time after time. So the question is, this, this um, zitzit, this symbol, this beautiful symbol of remembrance, was this the final solution? That's, that's the question. Well, I'm going to tell you it wasn't. God had something better in mind, of which if you remember, I detailed in my Galatians study when we dealt with the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law, the old covenant versus the new covenant, and the changes that actually occurred with the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Yeshua. My point is, God had something better in mind. He had a better sign, a better symbol that was to come, that was prophesied by the prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And the writer of Hebrews picks up on this. Look at what he says. He's quoting the prophet Jeremiah, Yermiahu. Hebrews 8, 7, For if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, this is the problem. They forgot God. They forgot to keep His commandments. So because finding fault with them, He says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Verse 9, Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them, out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord, verse 10, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. This is the covenant. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. This is the beautiful promise of the new covenant. This was the work that was accomplished through the sacrifice of Yeshua. Something better was to come where we would never ever forget the commandments of God again because they're in us. The Spirit of God dwelling within us. This is beautiful. Listen to what Ezekiel the prophet says in regard to this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit, literally the spirit of the living God, the Ruach, 
within you. And what will that do? Cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. This is the beauty of it all. This is the advancement of the new covenant. A covenant, we're told that we will never forget the commandments of God again. Why? Because God dwells within us. His Spirit resides in our hearts and minds. And this is why Paul actually was trying to wake up the Corinthians and says, do you not know that you are the temple of the living God and the Spirit of God dwells within you? So while the imagery of the tzitzit, to me, are extremely meaningful, and they should be to you, and they are beautiful, I love to see them, I love to see you wearing them, But having said that, God, you need to understand, God had something better in mind. He instituted something that is beyond compare. It's His Holy Spirit literally living within us. And it is that Holy Spirit that will convict you. Isn't this what Yeshua said? The Holy Spirit would convict us of sin. He would convict us of righteousness and of judgment. This is the promise that Yeshua said. It's good that I go away. For if I go away, I will come back you in the sense of I will give of my spirit to you it's beautiful and this so to put put it this way this is why you find people in the messianic community and Hebraic roots community who don't wear tzitzit who are not compelled to wear tzitzit they realize they understand that they're in an intimate relationship with Yeshua they understand what Yeshua has done for them through the new covenant, by placing his spirit within their hearts, and it is burning inside of them to do righteousness. This is why you find that some people don't wear them. Listen to what Paul says in the second chapter of Romans, because this actually speaks to this very issue. Romans 2.23, You who make your boast in Torah, do you dishonor God through breaking Torah? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written... For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Verse 26. And here's where it gets interesting. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? Let me say it another way. Will not a man who doesn't bear zitzit, who keeps Torah, who walks in righteousness, will he not bear Zitzit. Of course. How much more? If Paul is addressing circumcision here, clearly a command right within the Torah, how much more in Zitzit? Right? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills Torah, judge you who even with your written code and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? Verse 28. He is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. The whole point Paul is making here, it's the very same point Yeshua makes in John chapter 7, is that we are not to judge according to appearance. Judge with righteous judgment. Therefore, in our communities, we should never have disputes, dissensions, or divisions because someone decides to wear zitzit, or someone decides not to wear zitzit, but rather we're to be in a perfect harmony, in faith, 
celebrating Yeshua, what he did for us. We should have a joy, a unified joy. Because what really matters is keeping Torah. Literally, my two feet walking in the commandments of God, fulfilling the righteous requirement of his law, of his commandments. I want to share something with you. It's pretty amazing. It's something that pertains to God and his creation, to his zit and to his commandments. Pertains to all three of these. It's absolutely breathtaking. Now I want to begin by doing this by taking you to the Holy of Holies. See, here we are in the Holy of Holies, and there's something very special in this room. The focal point of the temple was the Holy of Holies. But the focal point of the Holy of Holies was this right here. The Ark of the Covenant, right? You could, you could, you could narrow down to the focal point of the entire universe to right here. Notice the two carabim. And right here, they're standing here. This is called the throne of God. This is the throne of God. It's interesting about Zitzit and why the, the rabbis say that Tehelet was chosen to bear among all men. And, and they say, well, this blue, it represents something. This is a powerful teaching. You're going to see it actually has some traction to it. That the blue was chosen because it represents the sea. And the sea represents the sky, which is a reflection of the throne of the living God. That's why they, this is what they teach in regard to these beautiful zitzit, this tahelet that is in the zitzit. Represents the sea, reflection of the sky, reflection of the throne of God. Now going back to the focal point of the entire universe, which is the throne of the living God, there is something very special hidden inside this box. Something extremely special. What was it? Well, in Deuteronomy 10.2, the Lord, Yahweh, he's speaking to Moses. I will write on the tablets the words which were on the first tablets which you broke, and you shall put them in the ark. What was put in the secret compartment? A chamber, if you will, it was the Ten Commandments, right? I would see, say that these commandments received a beautiful place of elevation above all else. They're sitting at the throne of God. It's interesting, there's a verse out there that says this in Psalm 89, 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. How many commandments were in the box? Two. It's almost as though they were named. Righteousness and and justice, literally, at the foundation of the throne. Very powerful. God's Ten Commandments were sitting at the throne of God. Think of it this way. It really is, the, in our hearts are what? They are hidden inside our bodies. They are a chamber hidden inside our bodies. I want you to think about this. The Ten Commandments is literally the heart of the living God. It's His character, His nature, what he likes, what he doesn't like. This is his expression of self, literally hidden within the chamber of the Ark of the Covenant. So these Ten Commandments are, to say that they're special would be an understatement. They're given a place of honor above all else at the throne. 
considered you even I would consider them the heartbeat of Torah. They're the very heart of Torah. Proof of this is going to Matthew 19, verse 16, and, and, and I have a reason for going through this. Yeshua, now behold, one came and, and, and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may inter- have eternal life? This should be the question for every single one of us. This is the best question you can ask. What do I need to do to get to the other side? I want to know what I need to do to come and be with you for the rest of my life. I'd say this man's astute. So he asked the question, what do I got to do? Listen to Yeshua's response. He said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. As I've said before, how many sermon titles do you see that? Where it says, you want to enter eternal life, keep the commandments. You don't find a whole lot of teachings out there with that title. Tragic. Matthew, he goes on. Said to him, which ones? I mean, this guy's astute. What do I need to get in? Yeshua tells me, keep the commandments. Okay. Now you need to put yourself in the place of what's going on. You need to take yourself back there. Yeshua is speaking to a Jew. And you have no idea how relevant this question is unless you were Jewish in the first century. Because at this time, the doctrines of men, the commandments of men, rabbinical laws were pressing in on the kingdom of Israel. And they were heavy. And not just that, but then we consider the 613 commandments which are found in Torah. And you wonder why this guy asks which ones. This, this makes perfect sense. Listen to what Yeshua does. Listen to how he answers. He said, you shall not murder, sixth commandment in the Ten Commandments. You shall not commit adultery, seventh commandment. You shall not steal, eighth commandment. You shall not bear false witness, ninth commandment. Honor your mother and father, fifth commandment. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, all of these commandments are summed up and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So this guy asks Yeshua what he needs to do to enter eternal life. Yeshua goes to the heartbeat of Torah, what was hidden in the Ark of the Covenant, the chamber of his heart. That's where he goes. This is significant. Listen to what the Apostle Paul does. Being a servant of Yeshua, he teaches exactly like his master, like his rabbi. Romans 13, verse 8. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the Torah. Okay? For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. Seventh commandment. You shall not murder. Sixth commandment. You shall not steal. Eighth commandment. You shall not bear false witness. Ninth commandment. And you shall not covet. Tenth commandment. And if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of Torah. The exact same thing that Yeshua told the young rich man is the exact same thing Paul taught the Romans. Exact. When he thought about entering into eternal life, he went to the Ten Commandments, the heartbeat of Torah, the very tablets that were hidden in the ark. When Paul thought about sin, what came to his mind? Let's see. Romans 7, 7, what shall we say then? Is Torah sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the Torah. For I would not have known covetousness, 10th commandment, unless the law had said, you shall not covet. It was on the forefront of their mind. 
This was it. James understood the same way. James 2, verse 10. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. The man in Numbers 15 saw that. He died for not remembering Shabbat. Now, when thinking of Torah, what comes to James' mind? When the word law is said, what comes to his mind? He who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become transgressors of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. All this to say that the Ten Commandments are the focal point of it all. Now, let me show you why this is relevant to our subject matter today. Every one of you, hold out your hands in front of you. Hold your hands out. Look at them. Don't look at me. Look at your hands. How many fingers do you have provided you were not in an accident? Some unforeseeable event. Ten. How many toes do you have? Ten. You should. It's weird if you don't. If you have six, that's not normal. Okay? You have ten. What am I saying? I am saying we are made in the image of God. This is powerful. And it gets even more powerful. Go back to Deuteronomy 22. We were to put the fringes, we were to hang them on the four corners of the garments. This is where your mind just starts to go, whoa. You know, literally looking at the four corners of the garments. Here's my fringes, literally. You know, the medical term, take you back to anatomy class. I know you loved it. What do they call fingers and toes? Exact same name. Thank you. Flanges, fringes. I'm literally walking around with fringes hanging from my garment. This is amazing. Ten Commandments. And then, and then it gets even better. You want to see that you are literally, I mean, this is amazing. I want everyone to stick their hands out again. Don't look at me. Do you see the thread of Tehelet coming down? Your veins? That is Tehelet. That is the blue. You're literally made in the image of God. Now, take this and look at what Paul says in Ephesians 2. For we are his workmanship, his creation, right? Created in Messiah Yeshua for good works. What are the Ten Commandments? They're righteousness. They're good works. This is what we're supposed to be doing, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. So what is my point here? It's the same as Paul's in Romans chapter 2. If we put our hands to righteousness, if our feet walk in righteousness, where we have this beautiful tehelet flowing down into our fringes, literally, then we are Torah observant. If we love our neighbor as ourself. You know, when I look at people and I see people wearing tzitzit, it brings a smile to my face. It brings a smile because I know what they represent but it pales in comparison to actually witnessing someone bearing zitzit by loving their neighbor as themselves. Right? 
greatest thing to witness is when men and women, they go out and they are helping their neighbor. And they go out and they help the poor and they visit the sick. And they're praying and interceding on behalf of those who need intercession. These are the seat that God looks for. This is the seat that I look for. We cannot judge according to appearance, but with righteous judgment. So, let there be no division among us, or in the church of God at large in this matter. If you want to wear seat, I commend you, Mazel Tov. I love to see them, and we should see more of them. They, they are meaningful. And the people that bear seat, they're meaningful to them. They know they represent the commandments of God. And the, but the people that don't wear them, you understand why now. You understand why they're not compelled. They're in an intimate relationship with Yeshua. And this is not to say, this, I want to be very clear here. One of the dangers, and I don't want this to come out of this sermon, is for you to go out and when you start seeing pe- people that bear zitzit, that you think that they are in any way are legalists. That would be a very poor use of judgment on your part. Very foolish. Because most of the people I know that bear zitzit, they fear God. And they love His commandments. And they're not doing it out of legalism. They're not doing it to look pious. They're doing it because it, it's very meaningful to them. But there should be no going judging back and forth with the people that wear them looking at people that don't. We are to be in perfect harmony through faith in the new covenant. Amen? Music team can come up. I'm going to close with this verse in Joel. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. This is what it's all about. Rend your heart, tear your heart for the Lord. Let the Spirit of God come in.
It's a day.